Hello, friends. Today's episode is brought to you by Versity Blood Centers. On our show, we frequently cover emergencies and tense situations. One of the most important parts of emergency care is donated blood to revive those who are caught in horrible, traumatic circumstances. Blood donation literally saves lives, and we are urging our listeners to go and save lives today. Your blood donation can help trauma victims, surgery patients, premature babies, cancer patients, and many more. Every two seconds, someone is in need of blood. By the end of this ad, that will roughly be 20 people. Learn more about Versity's life-saving mission. Find a blood drive or donor center near you and schedule your next appointment at versity.org. That's versity, V-E-R-S-I-T-I dot org. We also want to thank Verger. Verger CBD offers only the highest quality CBD products for relaxation, rejuvenation, and concentration. In addition to topicals, edibles, and flour, Verger has a wide variety of skincare products and CBD for your pets as well. Check them out on Facebook or on their website, which is just recently refurbished, at vergercbd.com. That's Verger, V-E-R-D-U-R-E-C-B-D.com. Also, be sure to take advantage of a special 10% off for our listeners with promo code UNKNOWN10 at checkout. Thousands of people have mysteriously vanished in America's wilderness. Join us as we dive into the deep end of the unexplainable and try to piece together what happened. You are listening to Locations Unknown. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Locations Unknown. I'm your co-host, Joe Irado, and with me, as always, is a guy who can simply walk into Mordor, Mike Vandebogard. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. How's it going, everybody? Uh, thank you once again for tuning in. Uh, I know that's uh, pretty crazy out there in the real world, so we're glad that you're taking an hour out of your day to listen to us. Yeah, we'll separate from all that stuff. And I do have one fact correction, which I was very upset about, Mike. So in the last episode, I was really proud to announce that I knew facts about Red Dawn, and I was wrong about that fact. (laughs) (laughs) What were you wrong about? So here's the deal. In the last episode, I said Red Dawn was the first movie that got an R rating. And I actually went all the way back to um, a board game that I played where I learned that fact, where it was like, uh, I forget the name of the game already, but it was a card and I learned it there, and I was really excited to retain that for whatever reason. But Red Dawn was actually the first PG-13 movie, so the fact card was actually wrong as well. Wow. Why it was screwed up is that the MPAA president, Jack Valenti, wanted to rate the movie R, Yeah. but they felt it was like, because they had PG and R at the time. Yeah. And they didn't have anything in between, and he, like, they kind of, like, they didn't want it to be rated R so that more people would watch it, but it was a little bit 
too bloody to be PG, obviously. So they created a PG-13 category, which sat right between PG and R, that strongly cautioned parents that some material might be inappropriate for children younger than 13. Wow. So I turned my misfact into a correction and a new fact. So it was the first <laughs> PG-13 movie that actually created the category. Well, and, uh, you know, I'm going to mark my calendar. You were actually wrong and admitted it. <laughs> I feel like I've been wrong and admitted it before, even on this show. Maybe not in person with you. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> See, I felt well, I owed the listeners that. If I was wrong <laughs> to you, I would just die being wrong. I feel like we've had many an argument out on the trail where you won't admit wrong to oh, being wrong. Oh, 100%. Because <laughs> I'm irritated on the trail and I just want to be right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, my wife, my wife would agree with you. So that is it. Um, yeah, I don't have any other updates. So yeah, no updates for me either. We're just uh, we're hunkered down, uh, preparing for the the pandemic sweeping the country. Yes. So. <laughs> All right, everybody, let's gear up and get out to explore locations unknown. October 2018, Connie Johnson, a former U.S. Forest Service Wilderness Ranger in Idaho, had the experience and training to navigate the backcountry solo and even survive if needed. After retiring from the Forest Service, Connie worked as a camp cook for the Ritchie Outfitters in the area around Fog Mountain. Connie was working camp for a hunting party and was last seen as the group left on October 2nd. Although the hunting party was in radio contact with Connie the next day, transmissions were not clear. When the group returned on October 5th, both Johnson and her dog, Ace, were gone. Join us this week as we investigate the case of Connie Johnson and the bizarre incident that occurred nearby and could potentially have a connection. Fog Mountain is located in the Nez Pierce Clearwater National Forest area. So, Joe, what I gathered was this is a pretty large part of Idaho. Yes. I think I may have even driven through it at one point. Yeah, it's, it's pretty remember. big. And they do, it is separated and they have like major highways that go through. So, it's possible. It looks like it's about 2.2 million acres. And the forest is located in the west central part of Idaho. And it's made up of four separate wilderness areas. Uh, part of my research on the area, it, it stretches from the Oregon border on the west to the mountain border on the east and is bounded by the Idaho Panhand Panhandle National Forest to the north and to the Solomon River on the south. So it, it sounds like it's a pretty big area. Um, it was home to some Indians. Now I'm going to butcher this. It looks like the Nimi Pau or Poo. Yeah, I think it's Nimi Poo. Nimi Poo uh, Indians, uh, which is, it was later named Nez Pierce Indians by Lewis and Clark uh, in their expedition See, they parties. couldn't pronounce names either. They're just, yeah, we're exactly. the Lewis and Clark of podcasts. I just made that <laughs> <laughs> Uh Yeah, so, um, 
It was named after the Indians that inhabited the area. It actually became a park by your favorite, one of your favorite presidents, uh, Theodore Roosevelt. Or not a park, a forest. Yeah, yeah. On July 1st, 1908. So it's a pretty old forest, and uh, it looks... It looks like it's it's vast, a lot of open wilderness, and uh, there's a lot of mountains and wildlife for timber wolves, raccoons, moose, black bear, coyote, cougar, elk. Yeah, it's pretty rugged, and it's it's. I don't know how to put it perfectly, but there's a lot of forest in between, yeah. like the road. So there's a lot of what's a good way to put it? Like if you think of Alaska as being vast, it's obviously nowhere near that size. But if you yeah. go pretty much anywhere in the lower 48 and you're in like a big forest area. If you go in a straight line, you'll, you'll pretty much stumble across a road or a path at some point. This is like very, very, very big where that might not happen. It's designated as one of the largest primitive areas in the lower 48. So yeah, that basically means you could, if you got dropped down in the middle of it, you're going to be walking a long time before you find a road or any type of civilization. Um, so yeah, a hundred percent. It's just very, very wooded, like real rugged un- mountains. Yeah. Real untouched back country. Yeah. So it, it sounds kind of like a cool area to, to hike in someday. Maybe if I'm ever passing through Idaho, I might, might stop and do a day hike or something. So our list keeps getting bigger and we're not notching them off. I, I know. <laughs> yeah, my list is up to like a hundred, hundred spots. I but how cool now. would it be if we retired and we just went back to all of our episodes? You're like, all right, that's our list. Every episode, let's go. I'd be fine with it. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, Joe, why don't you give us a character profile of Connie? Yeah, so we'll talk about Connie. Connie Johnson, uh, and she, we'll obviously I'm gonna go through this, but she was awesome as far as a backcountry person goes. She's 76 at the time of her disappearance. She worked as a camp cook for the Ritchie Outfitters. Uh, the business itself is a second-generation outfitter business run by Mike and Don Ritchie, and they offer guided hunting packages in the Selway Bitterroot Wilderness area. Connie had previously worked as a U.S. Forest Service Wilderness Ranger at Moose Creek Ranger Station. It's safe to say that she's very experienced in backcountry survival, and she can handle herself out there. Oh, 100%. Absolutely. So she was, I mean, she's also a member of the Selway Bitterroot Foundation and she frequently led young people and other groups on tours of the backcountry in her area. Her friend, her friend said that she was very well experienced in backcountry and knew how to survive even if something went wrong. So not only was she very experienced outdoors, but specifically in the area that she was working and, and living in. So this is interesting to point out because um, a lot of times the, the people we profile are not experienced at all and they don't know the area they're hiking in. In this case, we have a, a woman who worked for the Forest Service as a wilderness ranger. I, I think it's safe to assume she's probably one of the most experienced people we've profiled on locations unknown so far. Yeah, I would say I would say for a wilderness that rugged. So we had yeah. our, our first episode with Paul. He was a park ranger in a very small park, which yeah. makes that crazy. So this one would be more of a case of you could argue maybe it was got lost because of the vastness of it, but yep. she knew that area and then furthermore knew how to survive if something bad happened. So Yeah, and the difference between the first case we did too is I feel like this forest area is probably not trafficked a lot. Yeah. So there's a lot less people. It's just interesting how a lot of the people we profile are inexperienced, don't know the area, aren't prepared, 
uh, Connie is the exact opposite of all of that. So I'm going to go, uh, just starting in the timeline, this, I, I, I told you before we started, this is going to be a little bit of a shorter timeline because there's not a ton of information, but it is very curious. I'll put it that way. And there's a little twist at the end too, that <laughs> can't wait <laughs> that I, I debated internally if they're related or not. And it was yeah. too, I debated the question if they're related or not too long to not include in the episode. I'll put it that way. So I'm not going to make a definitive claim whether I think they are or not, but i okay. it's worth mentioning. So. I'll leave it at that. So Connie was last seen on October 2nd, 2018, when a group of hunters she was the cook for left the camp. So they were out at their quote unquote base camp on October 2nd, and they're going to go out and do a hunt. And this, this wilderness is so out there when they go Mm -hmm. out to hunt, they're gone a few days and they'll come back. Okay. They left camp. Everything was normal on October 3rd. So the next day, the hunters did have radio contact with Connie but they said they were unable to understand what she was saying. So they were getting transmissions in mm-hmm. from her, but it was garbled, staticky. They weren't exactly sure what was going on, but it was clearly nothing weird enough that alarmed them, I'll say. So, I mean, they were not changing their their agenda at all. In your research for the episode, do we know if um, that's common in that area to not get good radio reception or... Was that unique to this case, or do we just not know? I don't know that. I'm guessing just okay. in my experience with radios, even good ones, in rugged terrain, mm-hmm. sometimes if you don't have good line of sight or you're in a certain spot, you just don't get reception. I mean, that even happens with GPS. Yes. When I was hiking in the Canyonlands, uh, down in the canyons, our, my GPS wasn't working, which made it harder to navigate. Yeah, it can be rock formations if there's a lot of iron in the landscape. You know how it can throw off compasses. There's lots of things that can occur that just mm-hmm. make your equipment go wonky. The hunters did return to camp on October 5th, and when they returned, Johnson and her dog Ace were both gone. So the search began almost immediately with the hunters on foot, and they searched the area. When they couldn't find her immediately, they actually called in the canines and started doing a uh, uh, canine search right off the bat. Okay. So they, they contacted the right people. Not long after that, the U S air force was called out with aircraft using the FLIR technology that we've talked about in several cases, as well mm-hmm. as resources from the Idaho national guard and the Clearwater country backcountry helicopter rescue team. So I, I think it's a mix of who it was and how, how connected she was that kind of got the ball rolling immediately on such a high level. And I think it's important to note that this happened in 2018. So we're talking modern technology, modern search and rescue techniques. You can assume these people are all highly trained in search and rescue. So it's not like some of those cases where we've talked about someone going missing in the 50s or 60s. Um, yeah, this was just traipsing over the crime scene or or traipsing over what evidence would be to help find them. Yeah, this was... They activated the right people right away, and they're all professionals, mm-hmm. no volunteers, stuff like that. And it sounds like the search got going pretty pretty quickly. Oh, yeah, immediately. I mean, obviously, we don't have the details like some of the cases, but based on what you said, it sounds like it started up pretty fast. Yeah, so you, I mean, you have a, a very well-experienced person at a base camp with some ample supplies and everything who has the knowledge to hike, survive, and live in the backcountry that disappears. So it, it sent off some whistles and alarms, and they got the ball moving pretty quick. Okay. So Chris Atkins, a uh, former colleague, says it's, and this is his quote, it's reconcilable, you know, what everyone is dealing with, with this. Because like you said, this isn't some pilgrim's first rodeo. This is a woman who spent literally the last 25 years of her life 
most of them on foot in the wilderness alone doing her wilderness range work. And if there's anybody anybody that has the skill set that positions them to beat this, it's Connie. So that, again, just kind of reinforces what we said is she's not only spent 25 years in backcountry, she normally does it alone. So she is definitely prepared for, you know, if something happens, she's prepared to survive for several days. I'm sure she's well aware of if something happens, you kind of want to stay in place. If, if, if you don't know how to get out of there or if you're injured. Yeah, she, she knows all the best practices. Yeah, because you're, you have a better chance of being found if you stay in place and don't, you know, if you, if you're, if you know the way out, you should try to get your way out of there. But if you're lost, you don't want to keep just walking around aimlessly. Yep. Make signals, make commotion, make sure people can see you, but you don't want to walk around because you could enter a previously searched area, things like that. And that's kind of what they're talking about is if you feel like you're past a point where you're not going to be able to find your way out, you need to, you know, make signals, build a shelter, whatever you need to do. Yeah. So, unfortunately, after several rounds of aircraft search and teams of canines with boots on the ground, nothing was found, and the search was called off on October 16th. So, it went on for well over a week and a half. Yeah. Where it starts getting crazy is that in a stunning turn of events, about three weeks after the search was called off, Ace, Connie's dog, was spotted by a backcountry pilot Tuesday at the ranger station. So, a guy, a backcountry uh, pilot was flying around and saw mm-hmm. the dog at the ranger station. And it was about 15 miles from the hunting camp where Johnson was last seen. Wow. So Nicole Sailor, that's the daughter of Connie Johnson, said the dog was very skinny, but in good shape otherwise. Ace, and this is the dog, was examined, fed, and taken back out, but the search didn't yield any leads or results. So they are very hopeful when they found Ace, like, hey, let's get him well and take him out immediately, and hopefully he'll bring them to Connie. She said when she heard the news that Ace had been found, she was thrilled that he was alive. The fact that he was not with mom was very sad, and that's her quote. So a private searcher was hired by the family to take the dog back out immediately the next day to look for Connie. Unfortunately, this didn't turn up anything either. Sailor, who lives in Washington, D.C., and her sister, Christy Sailor of Creston, Iowa, flew out to Idaho immediately when they heard the news that their mother was missing. So this is going back a little bit. Yeah. It has to be very upsetting to get a little bit of hope after such a tragic event, especially when you might just be starting to accept the loss. And in, this is this is uh, pretty neat because it, it just reinforces Connie. This is an oral history uh, Connie recorded for the Selway, uh, Selway Bitterroot Foundation. She talked about her experience in the backcountry after relocating from Iowa years before. And this is Connie's words. I don't remember really being afraid of anything. I'm a spiritual and faithful person, and I kind of gave over my life to, you know, there's God taking care of me, and I know that, but I did learn to, and I don't remember being fearful. There were lightning storms, and there were creek crossings, and there were lots of challenges, things physically, but I'm naturally an impatient person, and this has taught me, since I was by myself, to be very careful about where you put your feet. You know, Connie, if you get hurt, there's no way anybody's going to help you. You're on your own. So it taught me to plan ahead about how I would negotiate this or that or how I would deal with the water supply or bee stings and that kind of thing. I just love being in that place so much. It just took care of me, you know. It's a pretty overpowering feeling to look up into those hills and especially being a flatlander like me, like I was, 
I still am in awe of the power of those mountains and the power of the weather and the creeks and the just the sheer hugeness of it and the fact that we're not in control of anything. So, I mean, that like goes on even more to show that she specifically takes way more precaution than even I do. And after doing this show, I take extra precaution now. Like she like (laughs) is very, very, very calculated in her moves and what she's doing and understands like, Hey, it might just be a Creek crossing, but all takes is one little mistake and you're stuck with your pack in that Creek and drowning. Yeah, no, that's a great insight into, you know, why she was a wilderness park ranger, why she was in that area. It gives you a glimpse into, she was confident in her skills, but not, you know, she wasn't risky. Exactly. I know one of the things when you hike in backcountry hike is you, you can be confident in being out there, but you, you never want to underestimate the terrain or any of the animals in the, you know, the backcountry. Cause at the end of the day, you're not in control of any of that. You're just a visitor out there. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and everything is so powerful and she said it perfectly. It's, it's an overpowering feeling. And that's where like a lot of that beauty is, is in that just, you know, I'm just an inhabitant here. This is where normally would end and it wouldn't be too crazy of a case, but this is where there's kind of the bizarre thing. I said, I'm going to have half the people probably think that's completely dumb that you included it. It's not related. And the other half say it's totally connected. So on a bizarre note, Terrence Woods, who is 27 years old, was reported missing around 5.30 p.m. on the same day in the Oro Grande area in a very mysterious circumstance. Now, Oro Grande is roughly 45 miles south of Nez Pierce, so kind of far, but just give me my day in court, okay? (laughs) Okay, I'm listening. So he was a production assistant from Maryland, and he was helping film a documentary on Penmen Mine for a British TV show called Whitewater. At some point during this production, he just ran off into the woods for some reason, has never been found. What? Yeah. So here, so Terrence's father said, they're referencing, they, referencing the production crew, thought he mm-hmm. fell off a cliff. But by the time they got over to over there, my son was 15 feet down the cliff running like a hare. So I said, what do you mean running like a hare? He said, he ran so fast, I ain't never, I ain't never seen nobody run that fast. You can't get wow. lost out there because if you got lost out there, you're going to run into a road or houses. So he didn't just poof, vanish and disappear. No, he made it to that road. Somebody picked him up. So that's Terrence's father's quote. But despite yeah. an extensive search, no leads were obtained from the previous seven days of searching and no signs of Terrence were located in the search area or the expanded search area. Well, that's just plain bizarre. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So he just didn't say anything turned and just started running exactly like dead full-on sprint ran yeah one direction and has never been found wow mm-hmm. and this was 45 miles south of where connie went missing in roughly the same time correct huh they're speculating and again this is speculation because they know what time he ran but they're speculating yeah. you know, it was possible it was around the same time and this is where they potentially could be connected So we're going to get into the theories, but before we get into the official theories, I want to talk again about blood donation with Versity. Blood is a vital and precious resource, and people need people. Versity Blood Centers bring people together through the life-saving gift of blood donation. Versity provides blood to the community hospitals where you live and work. The blood donation process takes about one hour, and the blood collection itself only takes about 10 minutes. 
Make sure your community has enough blood by donating at Versity Blood Centers. Log on to Versity.org to learn more and schedule your appointment. That's Versity, V-E-R-S-I-T-I dot org. So on to the official theories. This one is from Connie's daughter. Okay. She said she can only speculate about what happened to her mother, but did not believe her disappearance was intentional. I think that she was enjoying the outdoors, which she loves, and something happened. The weather came up. She fell. I don't know. But I think that she got surprised. Given the temperature, given the lack of time, given the lack of signs of her, and the fact that Ace is not with her, all points to. Hmm. So, I went through and I was reading some comments on the internet. Yeah. Um, one of the ones I liked the most... Uh, and they wrote, I'm going to read it verbatim because I, I, I liked it so much I copied it. Okay. It said, maybe Connie didn't feel she needed a go bag or that for some reason she needed to leave camp immediately without basics like fire starter, her phone, a radio, a firearm, or bear spray. Any of the things one should carry even if off for a pleasure hike. Could the reason for her abrupt disappearance be the same thing that caused Terrence to run like a hare down a 15-foot bank right past a road that he had he had to have seen? Is there something so frightening on Fog Mountain that Connie hurriedly left her camp to get away and something so terrible on Oro Grande that Terrence bolted into the woods to escape it? Note that one could leave the Oro Grande area, travel on unimproved roads northwest to the Selway campground, then cross the Selway River and it's nothing but rough country to Fog Mountain. And he wrote, by Idaho slash Wyoming slash Montana standards, these two points are not terribly far apart. Close enough to make these two separate but similar and simultaneous incidents feel quite curious to me. And I agree. I copied that because I agree with that 100% just after hiking in Montana and spending time out yeah. there, uh, 30 miles, 40 miles on the ground. I, I was just there uh, in fall, and we did 65 miles in five days on foot. Yeah. And that was like one of, the, one of the hikes I was looking forward to. So we traveled, you know, 20 miles past the distance between these two events. Yeah. So that's where, again, 45 miles is far, but relative to hiking standards, they're not that far apart. So is this commenter, you know, implying that he thinks something other than the normal wildlife out there scared Terrence and or got Connie? I think the open-ended question is what raises so much interest for me. Yeah. Because on its face, if you if you ignore the Terrence thing, mm-hmm. I would attribute Connie's disappearance to some sort of terrible accident. Yeah. And for whatever reason, if it's so rugged back there, they just have not been able to find the body. You mm-hmm. know, maybe she went for a, a little bit of a walk and had a heart attack or something. Yeah. Um, And, you know, there's some mystery there, but there's no information other than they had a jarbled radio communication. They couldn't quite make out what she said. They said didn't seem like it was like a distress call or anything. Yeah. And then she was gone and the dog turns up and the dog doesn't bring them back to her body or anything. And that's all there is to it. There's no more to the timeline. There's no more information. But then the second event that was witnessed occurs on the exact same day that Connie could have gone missing. That is just so super bizarre. Well, I'm thinking in my head, let's let's check off the things that it probably isn't just based on evidence. So good idea. Um, I'm going to rule out animal animal attack just because I think there would have been evidence of that. The canine units would have picked up on that smell right away. Mm-hmm. If, 
if it would have been a black bear attack, which there are black bears out there, right? I believe. Yeah, I think. Uh, let me scroll back up to the top. I think they are. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. So. And, yeah. No. No brown bear. Timberwolf and black bear, and there is moose, but yeah. So you know, it it's not likely for a black bear to attack a human. Yeah, they're. I mean, they're. I always call them scared little dogs. Like if you're making it, if you don't threaten them, and you're not between their babies, and you're making noise, you rarely see them because they'll run away. Or if you do, they're they're not coming near you. And you know, in October, I I would believe that the bears are focused on one thing and one thing only is getting fat for the winter. And yep. um, I just so I really don't. I don't see uh, see that happening. I don't. I don't see wolf attack only because her dog survived. Yeah, and uh, you would think you would think that her dog. Uh, and you always hear stories. The dogs take defensive positions for their their owners, their family. Yep. So you, I can't imagine that if a pack of wolves actually did it. Yeah. Either of them surviving. Now it, it's not out of the question for. Uh, wolves to attack humans. I know here in Wisconsin, Joe, you probably heard this, these stories um, here in Wisconsin in Northern Wisconsin, a lot of hunters and, you know, farmers are getting very concerned about the increasing timber wolf population. It's gotten to the point where a lot of hunters aren't taking their dogs out into the field anymore because they're especially like pointers that kind of go deeper out into the woods and they're afraid to take their dogs out there because the wolves have been attacking attacking people's hunting dogs. And there was even one story I heard from my uncle. I, I have not read this anywhere, but there was a, a grouse hunter that actually was chased out onto a roll a road by a pack of uh, wolves, and he, he had to start shooting them to get them to disperse. So uh, take it for, you know, it, it might be one of those stories kind of told, the telephone game, but... They are becoming a problem here in northern Wisconsin. They've been attacking people's, um, you know, livestock. So I don't think it would be out of the realm of possibility for if she's deep in the backcountry by herself, maybe she's injured and a pack of wolves comes upon her. But I just feel like her dog would have, uh, you know, the pack would have got her dog too. Um, yeah. And again, I well, think and, and there'd you be have signs seen, of yeah, you have seen signs of that. So I. You know, I'm ruling out bear and wolf attack. Um, I'm really, really ruling out any animal attack because I think the canine units would would pick up on that because the animals aren't going to hide the evidence. You say that in a lot of episodes, and it's true. It's very, uh, it's it's bad to say about, but it's just yeah. very messy, if yeah. you will. And uh, you know, it's October. I you know, exposure is a, a big risk out in the mountains in Idaho at this time of year if you're not prepared, mm -hmm. but I really can't see a, a lady like Connie not being prepared for possibly being stuck out there for a night. I mean, she's been out the, working out there for 25 years. She knows yeah, what an and, October and is they like. they had every amenity needed to survive at base camp. Yeah. I mean, this, this isn't like rugged backcountry when you do these, these outfitted trips. I mean, it's, it's pretty cool stuff. It's like glamping. Yeah. Like you're not, you're not there to hike. You're there to, you're there to do a really cool hunt. And like, I checked out their website. It looks awesome. I totally would go out with that group and do it. It looks, I mean, the, the terrain looks great. Their amenities look awesome. Hint, hint, hunting company. <laughs> what? I said, hint, hint, hunting company. 
<laughs> oh yeah they're probably not gonna hear this thing no, no i just like legitimately would love to go out there because you're always looking for a decent outfitter and they've been around for a while they have great reviews it looks like a lot of fun and i enjoy that stuff yeah but yeah i mean you have not only that setup to survive but like good setup to survive mm-hmm. so um you know it, it's a very rugged terrain so i i can't rule out her fallings you know either in a crevasse or off a cliff or something like that it is possible to you know fall like that and not be seen by search and rescue i don't know how likely it would be for the the dogs to not pick up on that scent yeah especially with how quickly they got canine units out there i mean it was like she went missing and within a matter of hours they had canine units out searching um, and unfortunately, the, the information that's publicly available, we don't have good information on if the canine units did, in fact, pick up some kind of scent, but they didn't find anything. So we can safely assume that it didn't lead anywhere of you know importance. Yeah, this is puzzling. I, <laughs> I mean, a, a case like this, when you kind of rule out all of those other things, always leads me back to like a human-caused incident, an abduction you know, something like that, but it's such a remote area. Yeah. No one, no one else is around there. Cause you have like the outfitter company and they travel to the base camp mm-hmm. in which they then travel again to hunting camp. So what are you, some of your theories? <laughs> my, my biggest, I think my most reasonable theory on Connie is that she went for a hike by herself. Cause she did, did that a lot. Yeah. And she finally had that one in a million horrible luck perfect storm issue where something happened to her where she got injured and died or like i said maybe had a heart attack and she was in an area where her collapsed body fell into a spot where the searchers were unable to find her i think that's the most reasonable thing that happened getting more technically reasonable less likely yeah kind of that whole scenario where you get into like the hermit mountain people that just okay go off grid if she stumbled upon somebody in wrong place, wrong time, and they, you know, murdered her and took evidence, the body, everything, and left the dog running wild. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where the dog doesn't know how to get back to her or anything like that. Um, and I, I thought about, I was trying to look to see, like, okay, is there any animosity towards this this hunting company? Is there, like, could there be, you know, if I'm going to look at it as, like, a criminal case? Yeah. You know, did she have anybody that would want to cause her harm? Things like that. And whether there is or there wasn't, I couldn't find any evidence of anything like that. I feel like that would be a pretty big deal and would be reported if there was some kind of rift between her and the hunting company. I can't imagine it Well, being... I would say not a rift between her and the hunting company, between like... I, maybe like a conservation group and the hunting company. You know what I'm oh, saying? Oh, gotcha. Like fr- from what I understand, like the hunting company and her, like their, their family, I went on their Facebook page and stuff and they're like, yeah, had hundreds of posts about her telling stories, sharing pictures. So, I mean, if they had issues, I can't imagine she'd be working there for so many years. Mm-hmm. And it was, I mean, if they did, holy cow, did they cover it up? Yeah. That, that's, that's, I mean, that's just how tight knit these people were. So I doubt that I was saying more like a third party that mm. is just anti hunting or something like, I don't know. And, or just someone who's crazy that, you know, takes it out on them. That's kind of the still plausible, a lot less likely than my initial thought. I mean, if you're going to be somebody who is one of those, you know, we always joke, like, I'm just going to 
go off the grid and live in the mountains. Yeah. I mean, this is the place to do that. Oh, uh, 100%. <laughs> it's yes. remote. It's, you know, it's out in the middle of nowhere. It's huge. The chances of you stumbling across someone else are probably pretty slim. So, I mean, maybe she came across some deranged mountain man that, you know, is living like a hermit for the last 30 years out in the mountains. And who knows? I mean, it, it's a possibility. It's not likely. So um, I have two more. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> the next one that's still plausible Maybe, actually, maybe more likely than the hermit murderer. Illegal grow operation. Okay. When you have, I mean, you have a lot of forest areas that are not as vast as that, where mm-hmm. they are going back there and, and in some back little corner, they're growing marijuana and it's, you know, cartel level, you know, guarding with machine guns type operation going on like they got in the in the uh, Emerald Triangle mm-hmm. in California. So was she on her, one of her hikes? Uh, she seemed like an exploring, you know, spirit. Yeah. Was she going off in an area that she knew nothing about, you know, probably taking caution, doing all the things she needed to do to make sure she didn't get lost, mm-hmm. but then stumble into, into some sort of illegal activity or grow operation, and they're not going to let her get away from that. Now, I feel like I'll debunk it immediately because as soon as there's a search team, yeah, like, they would have find even if they ditched the area and burnt the plants. Like, you'd find that. I feel like. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. That's not going to be something you're going to be able to hide very easily. Yeah. So that's where it's like I kept boggling around back and forth of all the possibilities, and then it was like I always kind of land back to accident. Couldn't find the body, and then it was always scratching the back of my head. I'm like, and then this this random kid that just like kind of lost it and ran off like full speed just into nowhere and now is gone. Yeah. Well, you know, I think on the the other end of the scale, maybe perhaps there's some <laughs> some kind of creature living out in the woods that terrifies, you know, like this kid saw it and was just so terrified he just started running. Yeah, uh, I, I have no, I have no <laughs> but like I what I was picturing in my head was like, okay, I'm going full paranormal. You have either alien, some sort of technology, or government conspiracy technology where something was emitted and got into the heads or ears of these two people specifically. And Connie did the exact same thing. Like what, mm. like what if at five thirty at the exact same time, these two just stood upright and went sprinting in a direction, like almost like attracted to something like, like a, like a moth to a light. When we did our episode on location or uh, the Alaska triangle, wasn't there one of the, one of the pieces of the episode on something that caused people to, kind of lose control of themselves and wander. Yep. Wander away from town, like into the yeah tundra and, and just never return. Yeah. So, you know, obviously Joe and I are both, these are fantastical, you know, far out there theories at this point. That's why they're the fun ones to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, who knows? Maybe, I mean, it is called fog mountain. Maybe it's, it causes your mind to go foggy and you wander out into the woods. Yeah. I don't know your control. I don't know <laughs> <laughs> that the, I wish there was more information on the other disappearance because that is just bizarre. And there is not a lot. I mean, there are some, but yeah. like, it's all kind of what it's all different ways of saying what I told you. Yeah. And that's kind of what sinks about is like, it's like these weird things happen and it just kind of just dis- like went into the ether. One thing 
maybe with Terrence, and I, I don't think this would be a likelihood with Connie, but maybe Terrence took some type of psychedelic or something that caused him to go like crazy and just start running. Oh, and like no one in the group's going to admit it type of deal. Yeah. I, I mean, I have heard stories of people taking, you know, certain types of psychedelics and it just, you know, it affects every person differently. And sure, it causes... like you're on psilocybin in the woods and you start seeing what you like. Yeah. Like you said, maybe he saw something. He, maybe maybe he his brain saw something, something that wasn't yeah, there. Ex- exactly. Yeah. So maybe, I mean, that actually to me seems a lot more likely than anything else. That... Yeah, because if you're on. Uh, yeah, I would say we don't want to slander it. But no. if we're thinking real scientific possibility, something that would make you do something. That's just create wildly runoff. Yeah. Yeah. And I just think about picking up people that were at risk of ODing when I was in the ambulance and the stuff they would say and do yeah, was like, even though I've seen it a million times, like every new person pick up, they would do or say something. I'm like, I like can't believe a human beings doing that or saying that. Yeah. And we have no evidence that Terrence was on drugs. I'm just saying, if you look at what could cause that, what would cause somebody to just turn around and just start running as fast as they can and not stopping and yeah. the first thing in my head I was thinking of was, yeah, some type of, uh, you know, psychedelic brain altering drug. And he saw something that freaked him out and he just started running. OK, so I didn't think about that at all, but I think that's a very real possibility for sure. Yeah. Now, I, I don't think Connie was on drugs. <laughs> no, I, I think I'm or if she was, it was like marijuana <laughs> and that wouldn't do that. Um, no, I think uh, I think like you said. She suffered some maybe medical emergency or she was injured. I just think the part, the forest is too remote for, I always like to go to human caused, but in this case, I just, I'm not seeing it with how remote the forest is. Mm -hmm. Now I'm sure we may have some listeners message us on Facebook and tell us, Hey, you two bozos, this forest is really busy all the time. So uh, that would be great. (laughs) We, we may be wrong. (laughs) I've made it clear to Mike in the beginning of the episode, I will correct myself, no matter how embarrassing it will be. Because if you didn't listen to the last episode, go back and listen to how confident and excited I was that I knew that fact. Yeah. You were, you, I mean, that made your day. It did. It did. I was like, I actually know something about this that's really cool. And then I was like, something made me go verify it after the fact. I was like, son of a gun. Like, (laughs) I'm like, hopefully I don't get corrected too much before. I can come on the show and apologize myself. No, no one, um, no one called you out on that. We, um, I'm trying to think we did, we did get some comments about, Oh, I think someone said I laugh too much. Uh, like in between oh, you. Yeah. And it was like it, that. It's like a nervous tick. Oh, um, but that's you. You just laugh all the time. That's like yeah. what you do. I just did so it you, again. You just did it right now. Yeah. <laughs> That, yeah, that's just your personality. If yeah, you don't like so, that, too bad. Uh, I apologize to the listener who... We're the like, 142 ranked true crime podcast in the United States. We don't have to do anything we don't want to do. Yeah, so uh, I apologize to that listener for my my nagging tick of laughing. Um, <laughs> but we do appreciate all of the, the, the comments and reviews we get from you guys. Joe and I try to make the episode better each, each episode based on those comments. Um, I was just trying to look up somebody's name while we were talking. I wanted to give a quick shout out, which I forgot to do at the beginning. Her name on YouTube is Proud Military Brett. So just a shout out to her. She's been uh, very active on our YouTube channel, commenting on all our 
our different videos and giving us um, advice on the show and what she likes, what she doesn't. So, yeah. So, I mean, we want to we want to hear all your theories. We want to we want this one to be interactive. If you guys have a crazy theory, I want to hear it. Or if you know that area, that'd be even great, too. Or if any of you know new Connie or knew any of her friends or worked with her, you know, reach out to us because this happened on the Arvin Nelson case. Uh, We may have gotten facts about the case wrong. And with Connie, there wasn't a lot of publicly available information. So if anyone out there is listening and you have some additional information that hasn't been shared, because this is a pretty new case still, we usually don't do cases much newer than this. Yeah, I would I would argue it was on the fence of even doing it. It was because of the Terrence part and them kind of being linked together. That's that's what made it make the cake for me. So, but yeah, if anyone out there listening knows Connie, worked with her, worked in this area, was a part of the search, we'd love to hear from you. And um, if you know if there's enough information, we'll definitely do a follow up episode on it because this is a bizarre one, and yeah. <laughs> they all are bizarre. But someone as experienced as her just disappears off the face of the planet. No explanation. They don't find anything. Her daughter. That was the other box that got checked for me was her experience. Yeah. And you know what? You know, I think the the final kicker was her, her statement that she left Mm -hmm. that like her quote that's in, in the, the foundation. Yeah. Like how, cause when I talk about hiking and being safe, I don't go that specific into explaining how careful I am. Yeah. So she was well aware of, and I said it before, I'm just going to repeat it because it's important to think about when you're thinking about what could have happened to her. She was not only aware of the dangers of the backcountry wilderness, but took precautions above and beyond anyone I've ever talked to about it. Mm -hmm. Like literally, I've never talked to somebody who's that cautious about what they do. I mean, it could just be like, like the bitterness of irony of like the most cautious person has the accident type of thing where you have the idiots that do flip flops and summit mountains yeah. on ice, like do just like, Oh, it wasn't that big of a deal. <laughs> uh, and they just get lucky. So who knows? Yeah, no, it's a, uh, it's a bizarre one. And the Terrence thing is equally puzzling, but I think, I think I have my, my theory on that. I feel more comfortable about than anything with Connie. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's it, man. <laughs> so, yeah, we want to thank you for tuning into our show. A special thanks to our von- our sponsors, Versity Blood Centers and Verger. As always, like we said before, visit the Facebook page, interact with, interact with us there. We're also on tweet- Twitter. Uh, follow us on Instagram. The website is locationsunknown.org. And as always, if you go out hiking, camping, fishing, or otherwise, leave no trace. We'll see you next time. Thank you.